Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. All right, everyone. Steve's going to come up here and share some good news for desperate people. You can grab your Bible, find your seat. Steve's not one for introductions, but Steve planted a church over 45 years ago in Chicago, was pastor of the Evanston Vineyard. He's now pastor emeritus, passed the baton to Ted Kim. He's leading the church there. It's a wonderful church, a sister church for us. And Steve, we're grateful you're here. Why don't we give Steve a little bit of thankfulness for being here with us. You know, there was a point in the life of our church We'd been seeking the Lord and asking, praying. We had, we had all-night prayer meetings and weekend prayer meetings and prayer chains, asking for a move of the Spirit. And when the Spirit began to move, we had a breakthrough. It was a very powerful moment of breakthrough. And we were soon right after uh, we had the leaders were meeting, the leadership group, and there was a prophetic word that came out, and the Lord said, you got the revival you've been praying for, but if you want it to keep going, you're going to have to give the church back to me. And he said, you know, you've never, like, let anything happen here that you didn't know pre-approved that you knew you were going to be comfortable with. And I want a blank check. Now, the problem you have to understand is that I started that church so I could have a church I could stand going to. And I thought, oh, if I give this church back to God, what if he changes it? Like, what if I don't like it? Like, I didn't really want to sign the blank check. Like, I, he didn't say what he was going to do. He just said, I want you to give it back to me. So I wrestled with that word. I was like, oh, gosh. But I couldn't for the life of me figure out how I was going to say, Jesus, I'm keeping your church for myself. So I kind of just gritted my teeth and just, like, hoped for the best and said, okay, God, I'm giving it back to you. And... 
Well, a year later, I was talking to my dad. My father's a pastor, and my, or was a pastor, and my grandfather. And I was talking to my dad about it, and I said, I don't think he liked our church very much. We gave our church back to him, and he changed everything. And at the end, he says, oh, and by the way, you're joining the Vineyard Tribe. You know, and I think about that because that's just what's happened to you. And the Spirit of the Lord is starting to move at all saints. And now it's time to give it back to God and let him do what he wants. And hang on to your seats, folks. Because it could be a wild ride. Now, I'll just say from my experience, it's a wild ride, but it's a good ride. It's a good ride. When, you know, when I retired, you know, I had a, an executive pastor who pastored alongside me as a partner for 46 years. And we looked at each other and laughed, gave each other high fives and says, boy, that was a ride. <laughs> like, it so far exceeded our wildest dreams for what we thought we were doing. Because God is good. So I'm just, I don't know, this is not what I planned to say, but I just felt I wanted to say to you, God's kind of, there's been changes, I know, and God, there's been some moving around, but you're, God's got you where he wants you now. And now the good part starts to come. And it's not going to always be exactly what you would have chosen, chosen at first, and, you know, there'll be some times you're, you're thinking, like, what's God doing now? <laughs> but it'll be all right. <laughs> He's got you. Now, you know, Cindy and I, my wife, we've, we've enjoyed this new serial on television. And it's actually, ironically, about the life of Jesus. And, you know, most of the Jesus movies are just pitiful. Like, you know, if you believed in Jesus before, you certainly don't, aren't so sure afterwards. But there's this new one about the life of Jesus called The Chosen. And if you watch this thing, this thing called The Chosen, if you haven't, you really got to see it. Because it is, it's not like any other Jesus movie you have ever seen. I just got to say. And it's so realistic. And I got to confess I cried every episode. Every single one, I'm crying. And I mean, tears coming down my face. Not just a little bit, not just like wet eyes. I mean, crying. Doing everything to keep from just lying on the floor and sobbing in front of my wife. And uh, I got to thinking, what? is this? Why is this movie like affecting me like this? And I think it's because it touches on my utter desperation for Jesus to be real in my life. And the movie just makes him so real. It's like I'm there. 
And there's something inside of me that is so desperate for Jesus to be real that I, it, I'm, I'm on the floor crying. Imagine what it must have been like for the people who walked with Jesus on this earth in the flesh to have touched him, laughed with him, eaten with him, walked with him. Imagine how they felt, how wonderful that must have been. This last spring, a friend of mine in another country had a very powerful experience with Jesus. For about, oh, it must have been five hours, he couldn't stand up. And he'd started off in one room. It was like we were, the, it started in a room we were having dinner together. It's sort of like, you know, Jesus doesn't always, you know, kind of stay in the bounds of, you know, things happen at church and not other places. We're just trying to have dinner together. And this guy ends up laid up on the floor. We end up dragging him into, we had to carry him into the meeting that night. And he was insistent, I have to be in the meeting. But he, like, couldn't get there on his own. So we had to pick him up and drag him in there. And talking to him later, he, said he, he saw a vision of Jesus. Jesus appeared to him. And he said, when I looked in his eyes, I saw galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. And then he said, and I was desperate, absolutely desperate, that he would never, ever leave me. Don't leave me now. Don't leave me, Jesus. I, got you. I, I can see you now. I got you now. Don't leave me. I think that must have been something of the feel of the first disciples who saw the resurrected Jesus. Just desperate that he would never leave them. It makes total sense to me that when Mary realized who he was in the garden, that she grabbed onto him and he had to say, stop clinging to me. Because she was like, I am never letting go. I don't know how anybody could ever truly meet Jesus and not be absolutely desperate to be with him forever. I don't know why you came here today. I can tell you this, it wasn't for me the greet and meet and greet. Like, you know, I'm an introvert and a meet and greet, that's hell. <laughs> can I hear an amen? <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, some of us are doing amen. We came out on top in the pandemic during the shutdown time, you know. <laughs> that was heaven for us. Okay, so it's, you know, it all kind of evens out in the end. Well, I don't know why you came. I came to get a touch of his presence. When we come together, and this is why it's important that we come together, when we come together like this, like this this morning, Jesus comes. And I tell you, I, I tried to make it work online. And it was abysmal. It was just terrible. 
I mean, there was no getting around it. It was me with the computer singing by myself. And Jesus was not coming. That was awful. Thank God that's over. When we come together as God's people, Jesus comes to manifest his presence in our midst, and there's no substitute. And it's the sweetest thing, and sometimes the most terrible thing, glorious thing. It's like nothing else in the world. I'm addicted to Jesus. Wherever he is, there's hope. Wherever he is, there's healing for all our brokenness and all our cynicism and all the mess we've made of the world. Where he is, things start getting made right again. But physically, and here's the thing, physically, he did leave us. He left us. He went up on that Mount of Olives and he left us. And the interesting thing is why. It's most surprising. We'll start like this. John chapter 15, verse 26. And I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Bunch of you young people, you don't even know what, that, what Bible that is. But anybody over about 55 who got set free from King James knows, <laughs> knows what the New American Standard Bible is. So John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus said, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the spirit of truth that comes from the Father, he will testify about me. The helper is going to come and he's going to testify about Jesus. Now hang on to that because then in the very next chapter, and it's really the same conversation, John chapter 16, verse 5, Jesus says, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, grief has filled your heart. In other words, he's told them, I'm leaving. And they're like really upset about it. Grief has filled their heart. And he says, but I tell you the truth. Now, when Jesus says, I tell you the truth, listen up, because he's telling you straight. Like, and something really important. You've got to get this. Whenever he puts that on the front end, it's like you... It's time for the yellow underliner and maybe some red, too. Make it stick out. Like, do people mark their Bibles anymore? I don't know. Anyway, he says, grief has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus left so he could send to us the Holy Spirit. 
And he says, it is to your advantage that the sending of the Spirit is better than if Jesus had been here the whole time. And he, the Spirit then, will bring to us the presence, the love, the truth, and the power of Jesus. And the great thing is that you don't have to go anywhere to get it. If Jesus had stayed here, can you imagine what it'd be like? It'd be like worse than a Taylor Swift concert. Like, where's Jesus this week? Just try to get a ticket. Like, you'd be running all over the world trying to get with Jesus because he's like in one place. But because he left and he sent the Spirit who can be with all of us at any moment, you don't have to go anywhere. You can sit in your living room. You can come here in this place and the Spirit of God comes in here with Jesus. And you don't have to get any tickets or wait in any lines. At least not yet. I do know some churches where the outpouring of the Spirit got so big they had to give tickets to the members so they could get in. There was a point back in 1994, we had this renewal meeting that we did in this Methodist church in Evanston. And this, we would like line, we would recruit a prayer team of like 40 people that would line the front of this place. This is where I first met Brock in the Methodist church. We'd put 40 people from one side, from one wall to the other wall to pray for people because people were coming in to get prayed for because they wanted the Holy Spirit. And they had lines in front of every one of those people that went through the church and out into the street. People were standing in lines in the street waiting to get in the church. Can you imagine? Anyway, we never need to look for Jesus because of the Spirit. Because he sent us the Spirit, we don't have to look for him. We can be with him all the time, and he's here right now. Do you know that? Are you struggling with doubt? Some of you, I'm sure you are. Well, he's here for you. Are you struggling with fear? Probably almost all of us are at one level or at the other. He's here for you. He's here to set you free. You struggling with illness, infirmity, something that's been dogging your steps? He's here in this room right now to bring healing. There's healing in the room. If you're here and you and you got something wrong with your it's like your liver or your pancreas, like put your hand there because there's healing for you right now. Are you lonely? 
He's the ultimate comforter and companion for this life. He's right here to fill your heart with his love. And that love is more tangible and real. It's sort of like when you, when you really experience the love of Jesus, it's like a shining liquid thing that's hot, that fills you up. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's not meant to be just some sort of theoretical religious truth. You know, some people assume that the Spirit's in their life because they believe in Jesus. And it certainly is true. If the Spirit hadn't helped them, they wouldn't even believe in Jesus. But the way they live their life would not lead you to believe that the Spirit was in their life. They live just like everybody else. And I would just posit that if that's the case, that's not why Jesus left us. He left us to give us something better. It's meant to be something that grabs a hold of us. It's meant to be something that becomes like a concrete reality in our daily life. When the power of the Spirit comes... It's meant to be something that like we experience in our bodies, in our prayers, in our interactions with other people. The Bible talks about how people get filled with the Spirit. Of course, the sense is that people are overwhelmed. They're carried along by the Spirit so that what, what happens is not their doing, but is in fact the work of the Spirit. The church is meant to be a supernatural thing. A thing that can only be explained by the fact that Jesus has risen from the dead and has sent his spirit upon us. If it can just be explained by our charisma or our hard work or our marketing skills, really, is that what you want? I don't think that's why you're here today. Like, you might as well just stay home in bed if that's all you got. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus wants something more. Jesus sent the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that Spirit has been available to all of us who would come to him and seek him. But here's what you got to understand. We can't receive this Spirit in full that Jesus sent unless we seek him and wait upon him. Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Now which of you fathers will his son ask for a fish and instead of a fish he will give him a snake? Or he will even ask for an egg and his father will give him a scorpion. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more 
Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Now the interesting thing here is that he's using a, a, a continual sense of the word. So he's basically saying, not ask once. It's like keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And there's an urgency to it. So when Jesus says, ask, he's not saying like, you know, oh God, would you please give me the Holy Spirit? No, 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 that's not it. It's like, it's, you have to dial up something more like what happens with your kids when you take them with you to the grocery store and you go through the candy aisle. It's that kind of asking. It's like, you know, tantrum throwing asking. Like, I got to have this. Give me, give me, give me. I want it. He wants, when he's talking about seeking, he's talking about the kind of seeking that happens when you lose your phone. Knocking is sort of like, it's not like, you know, anybody home? No, no, no. This is like some guy about to pound the door down. Sort of like, that's what Jesus is talking about. There's this urgency of franticness. I've got to have Jesus. You know, an attitude of, well, I'm kind of open to the Holy Spirit of God forces it on me, but I'm not going to go looking. That is not what Jesus is talking about, and that is not why Jesus left. A lukewarm head knowledge about the Holy Spirit is not going to bring us close to him and is never going to be something that changes your life, let alone the rest of the world. Now listen. Our problem in the West is we're rich and we're comfortable and we're lukewarm to the things of God. We've been so lukewarm we can't be bothered together and worship once a week. And if a hobby or a sports game comes up, then we miss. Oh, well, that's just life. And the only people that come to the prayer meetings are the people who have nothing else to do and nobody else to be with. You know, when the Spirit of God fell on the Moravians 300 plus years ago, they said, we were so gripped with the hunger for God that we had to meet three times a day. Five in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, and nine o'clock at night. Because they couldn't get enough. That's what it means to not be lukewarm. You know, at least, you know, when I was growing up, Pentecostal church, we went to church three times a week, and if you missed once, you know, we, somebody checked up on you to make sure you hadn't backslid. Nowadays, people come once a month, and they think they're committed. Like, come on. Like, this is not like some club. This is not like... The country club, like this is about Jesus. Where's the passion? 
And so our hearts honestly have grown cold and sleepy and somehow the spirit just doesn't seem to be working the same as it used to work. May God have mercy on us by waking up our sleeping hearts. A few months ago, I, I was in, Cindy and I were doing a long stint in the United Kingdom, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. And it was the end of January, and I heard that 19 college students in Kentucky were so desperate for God that when the daily chapel service ended, they ditched their classes and refused to leave. Because they didn't want to leave the presence of Jesus. And the power of that quickly spread. Soon people were waiting up to nine hours all night long just to get inside the building. I have personal friends, they heard about it the first day and they immediately said, we're going. Like, one of my friends, her son in California said, uh, we're leaving, uh, we've, we're, we're gonna try to get there at extra time, we're going right now, it's the middle of the night, we're taking the red eye, we're going, we're gonna go to Kentucky because we gotta have this. And then they got there and waited through the night in the winter Nine hours to get in the building and spend a few hours in the presence of God. And over that next two weeks, that prayer meeting continued day and night. And over 100,000 people dropped by, dropped whatever was going on in their lives in order to get there and be with Jesus. And the thing, folks, is this. It wasn't the place that was so powerful. It was the heart. It was the seeking. It was the desperation of 19 young people that was so powerful. That's what did the trick. And that's what I'm looking for right now. If I can do anything with what's left in my life, I want to find desperate people who will do whatever it takes, spend whatever money, drop whatever they have to do, do what any, pay any cost to be in the presence of Jesus and experience that reality in their life. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus said, Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Who does Jesus say will be filled? Who will truly know the incredible life-changing power of being filled by the Spirit? Those who are hungry and thirsty. And he's not talking, when he says hunger, he's not talking about like what we're all going to feel in an hour or so. You know, like, oh, it's lunchtime. I feel a little bit hungry, we say. You're not anywhere close to hungry. If you're like me, you probably need to fast. No, he's talking about people who are truly hungry. 
people who really have not had enough to eat, people who are truly thirsty. And a truly hungry person is a desperate person. People who are truly hungry will do anything to get filled. They're desperate. And so it's the desperate who will be filled. Why isn't that happening? You know, right now, in this time, God is raising up desperately hungry people. We don't have very many yet, but it's spreading. Hungry people, many of them young people, who will not be satisfied with empty and powerless religion, who will not be satisfied with human effort, who are hungry for something real and something powerful, who will not be satisfied with anything less than the presence of God. You know, back when we were young and we first discovered that we could experience the reality of the Spirit's presence and power, we were desperate. I was coming out of three and a half years of depression and failure, and I needed God. And you know, it was basically, if we heard that John Wimber was going to be in Oklahoma City, we got on a plane and came to Oklahoma City. And if he was in Birmingham, Alabama next week, we went to Birmingham, Alabama. Because we couldn't get enough. And we went and we went and we went until we had no money and no vacation time left. We spent it all. We spent it all because we were desperate and we were filled. We saw signs and wonders far beyond whatever thought possible. I couldn't, there's no time even to begin to tell you. We were filled. We cried, we shook, we fell, and we were changed because we were desperate. Some of you, you ask, why don't these things happen to me? And I ask you, well, just how desperate have you been? You know, if you're not desperate, I pray right now that God will make you desperate. Lord, make these people desperate. Make these people hungry. I pray right now that God will trouble your life and tell you desperate for him. God send trouble. I bet you've never heard a preacher say that. God send trouble till we're hungry and desperate for you because it's better to be desperate in the midst of trouble and then to be filled with God's mercy and his presence than never to be desperate at all and just fade away in apathy and lukewarmness. I pray that all the sleepy hearts hearing these words will wake up. Wake up. May your hearts wake up into a holy desperation birthed from heaven and then you will be filled. He's here. He's here now. He's moving now. Are you awake enough to know it? 
Watch this. Watch. Just watch for a minute. Watch this. Watch this. Spirit's starting to move right over here. Watch. Because there's some desperate people. Yeah, here he comes. Here we go. Bring it on, Lord. You desperate today? Then you are in a great place. Blessed are the desperate. They'll be filled. If you're desperate... And you want to be filled? Come now. Get out of your seat. Come to the front and get filled. 